It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, back for our weekly Penn State podcast with Seth Engel of the Post-Gazette and the Daily Collegian. Um, Seth, an interesting week for Penn State. They do, in fact, lose Manny Diaz as defensive coordinator. He takes the Duke uh, head coaching job. You and I had talked about, um, you know, the possibility of, you know, would he take that job? Was that was that the job that he would want to hold out for, kind of like Brent Pry did in staying at Penn State for a couple of years? He decides not to wait. He decides to go to Duke. Um, I was a bit surprised. What about you, Seth? I wasn't surprised in the fact that he got a job. I was surprised that uh, he jumped at at Duke, which is a team that's, you know, it's, it's a hard program to win with. Uh, it's a basketball-oriented university, as we know. Um, but, you know, he, you know, saw fit and has experience in the ACC and um, jumped at the opportunity. So, you know, I'm happy for, for Manny Diaz, um, but it won't be an easy task whatsoever, especially considering – you know, their star quarterback, Riley Leonard, is now off to Notre Dame. Um, pretty much going to have to build from scratch there in the first year outside of the Mike Elko program. Um, but Manny Diaz has, you know, he showed some, you know, a lot of positives over his two years with Penn State. Um, he's a player's coach. You know, he was very well respected um, on both sides of the ball at Penn State. And um, you kind of saw on the field how that how that panned out. Like it was you know, two generational defenses under him um, and completely kind of revolutionized um, that side of the ball. Um, it was only a matter of time before he found a job and, you know, he finds it at uh, at Duke. Yeah, I, I think you really have to look at the Mike Elko, um, you know, how much money he got out of Texas A&M and, and say, well, you know, Duke may not be the best job in the world, but, you know, the bar is pretty low, too. If you can if you can win a little bit, if you can, you know, get on the national stage a little bit, you can, you know, you can parlay it into something bigger. And, and I think that was probably the calculus here. If Mike Elko doesn't go to Texas A&M and he goes to some other program, maybe we're not having this conversation, but... I think the the way he proved that it was a viable um, path, you know, probably weighed on on Manny Diaz's decision. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out from afar. But closer to home, Seth wanted to talk to you about how Penn State now goes about replacing Manny Diaz. Uh, you made a list, Mark and Wogenrich, uh, who does some some work for Sports Illustrated. Now he made a list of of possible defensive coordinator candidates. So we're just going to go down those lists and, and talk about some of these guys and how much sense they do or do not make for Penn State. I want to start with some of the internal candidates who, you know, I think there's still a debate about, you know, as, as we're recording this on um, Tuesday afternoon, 
we're not sure exactly what Penn State's plans are going to be for the bowl game for the interim. Um, Anthony Poindexter and um, analyst Rob Smith seem like the, the two candidates. Um, Seth, I guess first break them down for how you expect things to play out for the Peach Bowl and then how you look at those two guys as possible replacements for Manny Diaz without having to go outside. Yeah, I think Poindexter is the obvious you know, favorite to be the interim guy um, come late December here. Um, just based on the fact that he was the interim already during the Outback Bowl when Brent Pry left. Um, with that being said, you know, Penn State didn't have a guy on their staff, like you mentioned, Rob Smith, um, who's been an offensive analyst. Uh, but this is a guy with an extensive defensive coordinator background. Um, he, he was a coordinator at multiple Power 5 schools. Um, he's coached in the NFL. Um, so he was, you know, he was Duke's defensive coordinator just last year. Um, he's also had stops at Rutgers and um, also at Arkansas and I believe Minnesota as well. Um, so he's really been around. And uh, if you're looking for an interim guy, um, I think Rob Smith does have the resume to kind of just, you know, be someone who obviously knows the program, but also knows kind of what it takes to be a power five DC. Um, Poindexter, you know, has the coordinator experience as well, having, you know, had the role at UConn. Um, and maybe they want to kind of test him out um, in a big game like that again, um, if he's, you know, really considering potentially getting the full-time job. Um, so it could probably go either ways. Um, another reason it might be Rob Smith is is also because of um, the fact that he's a linebackers guy and and they've run a, a linebacker system with under Diaz, um, who was the linebackers coach as well. They want to keep things maybe more similar to how they were before. You know, maybe they stick with Smith, but you know, Poindexter is, is probably the favorite in that regard. And you think you think that's true for both jobs? You know, the interim man and the long term, in terms of linebackers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when you look at like Franklin's kind of track record with Penn State, he's only had one coordinator. Um, you know, in his time here, that wasn't the linebackers coach. Um, that was Bob Shoup. You know, that was the, the first the first DC that he had in town um, and probably his least successful defensive coordinator. Um, since then it's been pry and, and Diaz pretty much holding down the Ford and um, defining themselves as, you know, two of the best defensive coordinators in the entire country. Um, and Penn state's had a very consistent defense under the watch of a linebackers coach. Um, and I do think it's something um, that they'll take into consideration with the full-time gig, especially considering if they promote, a, a position coach that isn't linebackers, then they'll have to go out and hire another linebackers coach, which I don't know if they'd want to do. You don't think there's any chance they consider Bob Shoup to, to come back. I think he's in the USFL now. Um, you know, he, he had the Tennessee job. That's where he left Penn state for. Um, but, but yeah, he's now out of college and the NFL. Um, he, he had success here. He had solid defenses. I, I don't know. He was a huge departure, um, you know, from the, from the Bill O'Brien era, from the late Joe Paterno era, but, um, certainly Penn State's had more success since then. So, so do you see a retread hire like that as, as unlikely? I don't. I mean, I just kind of look at, at what Franklin's done with these coaching hires, and it just doesn't seem like like he's really comfortable going backwards. Uh, we saw that kind of with Joe Moorhead uh, maybe a little bit this offseason, where um, I don't know how highly they were necessarily considering going back to Moorhead um, despite his success in town. Um you know, there, there are a lot of different things that go into it. And I just think there are candidates out there that would make more sense um, at this point um, 
than 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 Shoop um, or you know than Moorhead did um, you know a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I kind of have a hard time imagining that. I, I think you know the one thing James Franklin has done with that defensive coordinator job is, is promote from within. I think Manny Diaz was the exception um, because he was such a hot commodity. If you don't have a home run hire, I, I think keeping guys internal and making an internal promotion here makes some level of sense. This isn't offensive coordinator where um, you know you want to kind of make a, a splash and, and be sexy. You just got to get the the job done. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know the the search ends where we're talking right now uh, with the guys that they know from the inside. But you know we got we got some we got some time to fill in this this episode. We're going to talk about some external candidates as well. One name that was on both your list and Mark Wogenrich's list was Tom Allen, the recently fired Indiana coach. Seen him have you know some level of success in, in the Big Ten, had, had put out some solid defenses, especially earlier in the tenure. Um, you know, you'll, we all remember that 2020 where I think Indiana was threatening for a New Year's Six spot, which is pretty hard to imagine. So he, he did a lot of solid work there. Things kind of tailed off toward the end. What do you think of his, his candidacy as potentially a – you know, Manny Diaz type of, you know, former head coach that's suddenly available that, um, you know, might be a, a nice asset with, with his experience level. Yeah. Well, if it's not Anthony Poindexter, I do think Tom Allen makes the most sense here. Um, you know, Franklin says it all the time, but you know, what he's looking for in a coordinator is a head coach of the unit. Um, and that's what Manny Diaz was. He was quite literally a head coach, um, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, ran his defense in a very similar fashion. Um, and I think Tom Allen would bring, you know, maybe a similar flair. Um, you know, he had – Indiana's a, a ridiculously difficult job to succeed in. And um, you remember those those years over 2018, 2019, 2020, like Indiana was a good team, you know, consistently giving Penn State a run for their money. Um, you know, 2020, they finally got it done. Um, but this is a guy who Franklin has a ton of respect for. You know, every time the Indiana game rolls around, um, he tells us how much he appreciates him and um, respects him as a head coach. Um, and I just think, you know, based on their prior kind of relationship, it would just be a really good fit. Um, and the fact that, you know, despite Tom being a head coach for the past few years, you know, he was running their defense. Like he was basically their defensive coordinator as well, almost like how Ryan Day kind of runs the Ohio State offense. Um, that's how Allen was in, in, uh, at Indiana. Um, so I think, you know, some of those things can kind of transfer over. And um, I do think there are a ton of benefits that come with being a, a head coach and going back to coordinating. Yeah, I, I think he's high on the list for a reason, Seth. One of the other uh, Big Ten DCs that, that came up on Mark Wogenrich's list was uh, Joe Harasimiak. He's the Rutgers defensive coordinator. He has some head coaching experience. He's on that Greg Schiano coaching tree. Um, wh what are your thoughts on on the possibility of, of Penn State hiring him? Um, I think I think the results are not necessarily there for a job of this caliber. I think his defense allowed about 31 points a game over the last five games. And granted, you know, with Rutgers, how high can your expectations be? But um, I, I just don't know if there's enough meat on that bone for me, um, given some of these other candidates we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers definitely did step up defensively this year. Um, and, you know, I, I believe he's only been there for, what, a couple of years. So he, he doesn't have too much Power 5 coordinating experience. Um, but, you know, like you said, he, he's been a head coach before um, at a small school at Maine. Um, he's had some other positional coaching jobs um, around the Big Ten. Um, 
But, you know, this is a guy that I think you need to wait on a little more. Uh, maybe someone you keep, maybe, maybe you bring him in for a couple interviews and uh, build a relationship with. Um, cause he's only in his thirties. Like he's going to be around for a little bit, um, build a relationship, build a connection, but not necessarily pull the trigger. Uh, I just think there are maybe some better options out there. Um, some more highly qualified, more experienced candidates. Um, but I do think it's worth taking a look at, uh, because he has been, you know, pretty successful in a, in a relatively short window. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think with both Tom Allen and and Joe Harris, I mean, like you have the the talent issue. I mean, you're never going to have the athletes at these places to to you know do what Penn State does on defense to to crank out those um, you know top defensive rankings. Penn State just has more horses, so you know you would think both of these guys could thrive with a little bit more talent. Um, but you know, like I said, I, I would like to see a little bit more seasoning, um, you know, in, in this specific regard, just because. Um, you know, this is, I think Manny Diaz has turned this into one of, you know, at least the top five, um, defensive coordinator jobs in the country. I, I I think, you know, he'd be a good DC at a lot of other places first before he comes here, um, or to happy Valley. I'm in Pittsburgh. Um, Seth, another name you had on your list that that I found interesting was Tony Gibson from NC state. Do you want to explain your reasoning there? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, since he took over, NC State has had one of the best defensives in the country. Um, year in, year out. Um, they're great at stopping third downs, uh, which I think is, you know, a really important thing. And forcing turnovers as well has been um, kind of his calling card, uh, which is what Penn State was known for this year. Um, their turnover margin, you know, maybe the best in the country. Um, but, you know, he's kind of spent his career a lot around West Virginia. Um, so he knows the area well. Um, that's a big region for Penn State is West Virginia, East Coast schools. Um, he knows the area. He's done well at an ACC school. Um, I think he's a guy that you definitely give a look to. Um, I just don't know if maybe you consider him as much as you would Tom Allen, Poindexter, um, or even the Rutgers guy. You know, I think that there, there's a small pool of candidates, but I think there's a lot to choose from here um, in terms of what you want to do. A very interesting name that's come up for a lot of people is um, Jim Leonhard, the former Wisconsin defensive coordinator. He won the Broyles Award as, as the nation's top, you know, one of the nation's top coordinators. Um, so, you know, he, he's got some bona fides. He's spent, spent some time with um, with Brett Bielema at Illinois as an analyst this past season. Um, but obviously he, he left town when Paul Christ's regime left town in Madison. Um, so he's done a lot of great work. I think my big hang up with him, Seth, is he runs that three, four defense. I think that'd be a huge, that'd be a huge transition for Penn state philosophically. 
not just, you know, from Manny Diaz to Jim Leonhard possibly, but from Penn State's whole history as long as I've been alive. Um, you know, they've, they've never played a 3-4, I don't, I don't think. Um, and so I think that would, that would just be a little bit, you know, philosophically not a fit, even if he, he does have great, you know, great resume. Yeah, it wouldn't really make any sense to me um, to change up your whole scheme um, for a defensive coordinator. I mean, Penn State, like like you said, like this is a program that's kind of had um, this defense down pat for generations. You know, really impressive, not just under Diaz, but um, you know, dating back to Paterno era. You know, long before that, Penn State has always been known for their defense, uh, primarily a four three. Um, so I don't think that bringing in a guy who runs a three four system is really the way to go. Um, especially when you have to consider the fact that, you know, this is a job that defensive coordinators don't necessarily stick around for for a long time. Um, last two guys have jumped ship for an ACC job. Um, the guy before that left for Tennessee. You know, there there are upgrades in store if you do well at Penn State. Um, and I just I don't think that changing your whole system would necessarily be the best move, especially considering, um, you know, the long term impacts. It is easy to fantasize about Abdul Carter in a uh, TJ Watt type of role, though, isn't it? I mean, I, th- I think that's that's part of the appeal. I think there's probably a lot of Steelers fans out there that say, you know, they're familiar with the three four. They see Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt. They say, why can't Penn State do that? I agree with you. I think it'd be too big of a transition. But it is, you know, there it is intoxicating on on some level to imagine that type of defense in, in Happy Valley. I do think that there is some room to maybe. Uh, mesh some of those concepts in like have I mean we saw it this year with um, you know having three defensive ends on the line stuff like that like I think Abdul Carter potentially coming to the line of scrimmage more next year is is an option Um, you know obviously that'll come down to they bring in whether they're comfortable with that but like um, he's putting on weight and I think that he has you know a potential future as maybe a defensive end Um, I don't think you have to change up your whole system to maybe get him some looks at, at defensive end, um, especially with Chop Robinson and Deesa Isaac likely both gone next year. Um, it's maybe something that you want to consider, but I don't know if it's worth, you know, changing your whole system just, just for maybe something like that. At the complete opposite end of the spectrum, um, Seth, we have Blake Baker. He's at Missouri now. He was Manny Diaz's defensive coordinator down at Miami. So obviously there's a lot of connective tissue there. Um, is he someone you consider as, as possibly, you know, one of the least disruptive candidates you could hire and, and kind of just keeping the train moving, doing the things that Manny Diaz did well and, and, and continuing that tradition? Or do you wonder if, you know, Penn State learned enough in those two years from uh, Manny Diaz that that expertise is already in-house in, in guys like Poindexter? It'd be pretty interesting if they, if they went out and did that. Um, you know, a guy who's at Missouri, I think it, it would kind of say a lot about what Penn State's able to do. Um, to maybe pull from other programs. You, you saw them pull from Kansas to get their offensive coordinator. But if they could maybe get a lateral move out of an SEC program, um, I think says something. Um, I think it does help to kind of bring in a guy who is, you know, from a similar system and um, who maybe you could – the players loved Manny Diaz. If they can get Manny to kind of tell them, like, this guy's legit, like he's all right, um, you know, I think that – you know, maybe calms some nerves a little bit and maybe makes people a little more comfortable um, about the next regime. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's something that you consider and you kind of talk to all people here. You know, there's no shortage of of candidates that you can talk to. You know, you don't have to consider everyone, um, but you can do your due diligence and, you know, maybe you'll find someone in the rough 
um, who really stands out. And I think that's that's kind of what Franklin's strategy is going to be. Yeah, I think that's a name to watch for. Zach Arnett is also in that pile of uh, recently fired coaches. He took over for the late Mike Leach at Mississippi State, fired after uh, less than a full season. Um, so didn't really get to show what he could do down there for very long. Seth, what's your what's your read on Zach Arnett and and how he might fit here? I don't think there's much of a fit at all. Um, you know, he wasn't before he was head coach. He wasn't that great of a defensive coordinator. Uh, Mississippi State was pretty good under Leach, um, and that was you know mostly because of his offensive system, not because they were playing great defense. Um, I think he's a, a good leader. Um, I think he held the program together in a you know extremely difficult time, um, which says a lot about maybe what he's able to do with the room. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily you know a great defensive coach that would uphold the same standard um, that Diaz did over the past couple of years. You know, he, he was good at San Diego state, had some history there and, you know, made it to the sec, but I, I just don't see that as, as an upgrade um, whatsoever um, in replacement of Diaz. Yeah. Or even a, a maintaining station. Um, yeah. I, I like a lot of the names that we've talked about here so far a lot more. One more I want to throw at you, Seth. Um, I was a little surprised that Mark included this guy on his list because he just took the USC defensive coordinator job. That was Danton Lynn, the former Penn State cornerback. So obviously he's got some connections to the program. Um, his dad, Anthony Lynn, is one of the hottest commodities in, in pro football coaching. Oh, I hear him for every job that comes up, I feel like. Um, what are your thoughts on on him potentially jumping ship on USC before he coaches a single game there? I think it's unlikely. I, I think that's... Um, I think there's a, it'd be very easy for him to make progress there and for to make people in LA happy, given what, um, you know, they dealt with at that program. I think he only has to allow, you know, like 30 points a game and people will think he's, he's a genius. So, uh, you know, logistically, I think it's probably an easier job than, than coming to Penn state, but what say you about, about Penn state potentially bringing him home? You have to assume that, that Franklin's a little upset that, um, you know, Diaz took so long to kind of get this deal with, with Duke figured out um, because in that span, um, you know, Lynn kind of went from, from UCLA to USC. I, I believe it was only a week before, you know, Diaz was hired. Um, and this was a guy, you know, UCLA struggled a ton this year, especially on the offensive side, but that defense was, was very sturdy. Um, and he's an alum, you know, he has a ton of experience. I think he would be at the top of this board had he still been at UCLA. Um, having just, you know, signed a new deal with with a team that doesn't typically uh, deal with lateral moves in USC. Um, I just don't think it's likely, which is, you know, a shame for Franklin and Penn State because um, this is, you know, a guy who, um, you know, will have the resources to, to succeed at USC. Um, you know, maybe someone you keep in the back pocket for years to come. Um, Elijah Robinson was another name, maybe similar um, in that regard, who's – you know, a Penn State alum. He was Texas A&M's interim head coach after Jimbo Fisher. Um, he was their defensive line coach. And, you know, in the time that Diaz waited out, uh, Robinson was hired by Syracuse to be their DC. And, you know, since that, they've seen an, an influx of, uh, of recruiting in the East Coast area. Um, but another name to keep in mind, you know, for years to come, we know these DC jobs at Penn State, they're, they're not a forever situation. A lot of these times, um, you know, some of these guys, jump ship and, and get another head coaching job. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I think that, that James Franklin's very good at, good at is he has the Rolodex. He has guys who, um, you know, if you read about, I, I remember reading the oral history about how Joe Moorhead was hired at Penn State and how far back that relationship went. And, um, you know, I think that's when we talk about, you know, James Franklin being a CEO type of coach and making good hires and, and having a, a, you know, deep connections. Um, these are the these are the types of guys you maybe do start building with now, and, and maybe they're not the the guy for the moment, but they could be the guy, um, you know, for the future. And, and I think that's kind of what sets James Franklin apart in a lot of ways um, from from a lot of other coaches around the country. Seth, uh, anything else stand out to you from the bull press conference? I know James Franklin spoke. Um, I know Patrick Kraft spoke a little bit, um, you know, about where they go with with the defensive coordinator job. Um, were there any highlights that you wanted to, to bring up? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me was uh, kind of the realization um, and the, maybe the reminder that this Penn State defensive coordinator job is uh, definitely one of the top assistant coaching jobs in the entire country. Um, you know, this is a job that, you know, like I talked about, has um, has shown that you will potentially get a head coaching job if you succeed. Um, and it also just dons a level of consistency that I think a lot of programs – um, and a lot of units across the country um, lack. Um, they consistently bring in talent. They develop talent. Um, and, and they just are able to just pump out top 10 defenses every single year. Um, you know, usually it's a question of the offense, and that's why Penn State can't get to the level um, that, that it wants to get to. But that defense is, you know, almost never in question. Um, so I think candidates realize that. Um, and I think it does open the door for a lot of what Penn State's able to do in this search. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds if if they go kind of maybe for a home run high type of hire again. Um, you know, Andy Kotel, Nikki, I think surprised a lot of us. We assume that, that there was some level of opening the checkbook. We'll see if Pat Kraft does that again. Um, Seth, are you, are you worried at all that that some of these guys that you know haven't entered the transfer portal yet are are going to wait it out, and if they don't like the hire that Penn State makes, that there could be some you know later defections into the portal here as we get into the deeper parts of December? Or do you think there's a level of trust with whomever James Franklin brings in that um, you know the lack of portaling we we've seen so far will continue pretty much regardless of of who he chooses? I don't think James is going to pick someone that, that his players aren't going to approve of. You know, it's the same way where, you know, maybe he had Drew Aller not necessarily, um, you know, leading the hiring process, but had him as a supporting voice because um, this is a guy you're going to be working with directly. 
I think it's going to be the same way with those defensive leaders, um, you know, kind of say, hey, we're going to bring in this guy. Um, you know, let me know what you think. I don't know if they if they meet. I don't know how that works exactly. Uh, but to have them as a voice um, to say, are you OK with this? You know, how does your group feel about this guy um, and kind of take it from there? Um, so, you know, once a hire is made, um, I'd be surprised if if people transfer, um, you know, maybe if they don't fit the system, then, then maybe they do. But, you know, I would think if that were to happen, it, it happened before the, the hires made. And, you know, I'm, on, I'm honestly a little surprised that maybe we didn't see a couple of guys enter after Diaz left, just considering, um, you know, how highly regarded he was and how respected he was within that room and um, kind of how he treated his players. And um, I don't know, there's still time this offseason, but um, definitely still something to keep an eye on. Seth, it's been a lot a week since we last talked about the other side of the ball on offense. Uh, I feel like every week we talk about the receivers on here. Um, I think it, his name was Dion Burks, the uh, receiver from Purdue, one of the best possible targets in, in the transfer portal now. He had talked to Penn State, um, but he ends up going to Oklahoma, committing to Oklahoma, so Penn State loses out on a big target there. They have yet to, to bring anyone in. Is it early enough in December that you're not concerned yet, or, you know, would you like to have seen a guy come in here by now to to reassure people that Penn State can go out in the portal and, and grab some some guys? Because you've talked, you know, in the past about hey, the way the offense played this year, Penn State might have some trouble going into the portal and getting guys. Is that what you're kind of seeing reflected here? Or are you still hopeful that they can make some moves? Well, they got one. They got uh, Alan Heron from from Shorter Division Two. Um, I did. I did see that. Yes, they got their, they got their groundbreaking transfer. Um, so it's been a success already. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, they got one guy, um, O-line depth, you know, obviously a project, 6'6", 310 pounds, um, hasn't played Division One football yet. Um, but, off, I mean, I, I guess for wide receiver, um, there is some cause for, for concern after missing out on Burks. Um, that was, you know, a top target, like you mentioned, had talked with him, Um it just to me, like we've talked about this before, but, you know, seeing the struggles that the receiving core had this year um, and, and even last year, too, where, um, you know, Parker Washington's numbers dipped um, a little bit, you know, partially because of an injury. Um, but, you know, he was not the same receiver that he was um, in 2021. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, if you're a transfer, kind of seeing that and seeing what Penn State's been able to do with receivers pretty much since Jahan Dotson left. Um, there's not too much convincing, you know, if I'd rather go to a place like Oklahoma, um, that's pumped out some, some really good receivers over the past couple of years, um, or, or another school, you know, there, there are a lot of options out there, uh, but Penn state struggled to bring them in last off season. Um, and those that they did bring in, um, struggled to live up to the hype. Um, and I think that says something, you know, if you're a defensive end, you see Chop Robinson, you see Arnold Ebikady, and you say, oh, I might transfer to Penn State because it seems to work. Um, but if you're a transfer wide receiver, you look at Dante Cephas and you say, eh, I'm not too sure about that. Um, you know, it's still early. Um, not getting too worried yet, but, you know, there's a, they're, they're, we're starting to see some guys get off the board here. Uh, I believe there's been some smoke about Julian Fleming uh, and Nebraska. I think it's one thing to lose a receiver to Oklahoma for, for the reasons you specified, but – um, if Kyle McCord and uh, Julian Fleming go to Nebraska, and and that's uh, it's going to make a lot of people mad because that's Matt Rule. That's a that's a guy a lot of people listening to this podcast 
sometimes it, it chaps me a little bit when, when we have to talk about everyone has to have a tie to Penn State to be considered for a job. But listen, yeah. there's a, a large contingent of people out there who want Matt Rule to be Penn State's head coach today, despite yeah. all the success that, that James Franklin has had. Do you think that that is if, – if he ends up landing Julian Fleming, a guy uh, Penn State had a relationship with before he committed to and went to Ohio State, that, that you know, you'd look at that and say, dang, like that's, that's a little bit scary for Penn State. Yeah, that'd be pretty ironic um, if Fleming, you know, ditches Penn State again and then goes to the guy who um, fans have called for for years. Um, Nebraska's on to something, you know. I think, you know, they're also um, leaning heavily toward, you know, number one quarterback recruit in the country right now, Dylan Rayola. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how all these fans kind of spoke so highly of rule. And now we're starting to see him put together um, some of the pieces with the Cornhuskers. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Fleming and, and McCord are, are going to end up in Nebraska, um, but I think that would be interesting. I think Fleming's still a guy that Penn State should be highly considering. Uh, I think a lot of the reason why uh, maybe his, his stats, you know, took a, a bit of a plummel um, over the past couple of years is just because he was behind, you know, some of the top college receivers um, over his career. So that's kind of been the case. And I'm interested to see what he's able to do as number one or even a number two guy in a rotation. Yeah, that'll be something I'm looking for, you know, watching closely in the next couple of weeks before the portal closes before the window after the new year. Um, Seth, I'll get you out of here on this. What did you think of Penn State upsetting um, Ohio State? Wasn't I guess it wasn't technically like a ranked upset because they weren't ranked in the Associated Press Bowl, but they were like, I think the second team receiving votes. They were eight and one. Penn State takes them down. Um, big win for, for Mike Rhodes after some some big, big losses. Yeah, it was a huge, it was an upset. Um, you know, it was an eight and one team and Penn State was coming off five straight losses. Um, really just needed a boost of momentum, a little confidence push. Um, and I think that did it. You know, um, they're lacking size right now. They're lacking interior defense. That's no question. And it, you know, it hurt with with Demetrius Lilly out. So you only had, you know, Wahab running the paint, who's, you know, struggled more or less defensively this whole year. Um but turned it up, you know, in the second half, ended up out rebounding Ohio State and um, hit some big shots. Leo Boyle came to life, Clary, um, and then finally Ace Baldwin Jr. hitting that um, that dagger from downtown to, you know, initially take the lead, um, which eventually, you know, led to the victory. It, it was fun. You know, it was cool. But um, I think after you lose five games, I think that builds a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Um, where, you know, even with a big win, um, this isn't everything. And we got to keep, you know, going back to practice and fighting to make sure that that, that skid doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think the March Madness, the return to March Madness, that path is going to be pretty difficult for Penn State with five losses already, one of them being to Buck now. That's a pretty bad loss, um, you know, to, to carry on the resume. But, you know, I, I could kind of maybe look at this as like a two-year project, kind of like, you know, Micah Shrewsbury, where, where – you kind of laid the foundation in that first year. You did some good things enough to get people excited. And then maybe you go out and, and you make the NCAA tournament next year. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable for Mike Rhodes to be on that program, get some some guys here he's confident in, and then surround him with another class. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't think expectations should be too high. Granted, it's, it's hard when you're coming off what Penn State did last season to kind of come down from that high and say, 
Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to have to build back from that a little bit. But I think, you know, a win like this is, is a sign that maybe you're closer to, you know, where you were in that first year under Shrewsbury than you are to total oblivion. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think that having a recruiting class helps, um, which they do have next year. You know, they were only able to bring in one freshman this year um, who was Icelandic um, and not ranked. Um, so I think, you know, the year is only beginning. Um, there are 10 new players, um, you know, most of whom have never played together. Um, so I think these kind of ups and downs are natural um, and we'll start to see, you know, them kind of mesh together more as the season goes along. All right, Seth, that was a great conversation about this Penn State DC. If there's news in the next week, uh, you might see Seth and I come back and do an emergency podcast like we did for the OC hire. Um, if not, we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Um, in the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Plenty of Steelers talk to come this week. Uh, still the, the fallout from the uh, loss to the Patriots building toward the game on Saturday when they face the Colts. Christopher Carter on the North Shore Drive is going to be back a couple more times this week. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you like this video if you enjoyed us enjoyed it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. Thank you.